Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Episode 79. Well... The vile, overblown, racist, xenophobic, sexist, misogynistic, Islamophobic, orange-tangoed, arse-faced man-child has kept to script by denying clear reality and failing to concede the presidency of the divided states of America. But he's not the only one to refuse to concede, unfortunately. That's because Burnley did the same on Friday evening, as the Albion failed to break down the big wall the Clarets promised to build and succeeded in delivering. Their stubborn defence frustrated the liberal attacking offerings we presented them as the game finished scoreless. We hoped that by Biden our time, sorry about that, we prevail, but it wasn't to be. And the Pope divinely intervened. Didn't uh, not That didn't really help at all, did it? I can tell you. Well, this week's pod squad contains a Russell, a Peter, an Andy Kay, and a full debut-making David Townsend of the FO to dissect the week's shenanigans and to ask, amongst other things, have we gone as far as we can with this country's hugely inadequate usage of this video assistant refereeing lock? People are slapping hands to foreheads with this introduction. Sorry, boys, but welcome to the show, everyone. How is everybody? I was I good until I heard that. Until <laughs> that. Yeah. How long did you spend writing that introduction, Russ? Um, not long enough, <laughs> or too long, one way or the other. Yes. Well, anyway, uh, yes, it is, of course, the first show after the latest disappointment in results terms against Burnley. We'll be getting into that in the latter part of this episode. Um, in the middle one, we'll be talking football news in general, and there's been some breaking news this evening, which we'll get onto regarding the FA. But we're going to start by introducing our guest, Mr. David Townsend. It's taken far too long to get you on this show, David. It's the 79th episode. Um, but finally, you've joined us. And um, we wanted to say hello to you and to ask you um, about your Albion story. So um, we know you from Seagulls Over London, of course. But where did it all begin for you, David? Oh, well, first of all, Russell, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on the uh, on the show. Um, and uh, better late than never, I guess. Um Absolutely. But, well, uh, don't thank us yet. You might regret it. Well, uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great honour. I feel uh, I feel privileged to be on here. Um, yeah, my Albion supporting career. Well, um, 
uh, it goes. I have to confess that my uh, that my dad was actually um, grew up in uh, South Sea, so he was actually a Pompey supporter. And the my first games I ever went to uh, were with him in uh, at Fratton Park. Um, but um, I grew up um, just outside Horsham, and obviously the Albion was the uh, the local team. So I persuaded him to uh, to take me down to the Goldstone, and that was where the uh, the love affair began um, with a one-one draw against Stockport County in 1969. So um, I've uh, I've racked up over 50 years of supporting the Albion. Um, had a few breaks when I was away at university. Um, and uh, and also I spent some time uh, living abroad, um, so I didn't get to see the the Albion as much as possible. Um, but yeah, sort of pretty pretty constant really for for, for over fifty years now. Um, so for most of my Albion supporting career, um, I guess they they were in in what was the the old the old third division, um, um, and it was really only obviously when. Um, you know, Clough and uh, Taylor came in, and uh, and then obviously Mullery took us to the the next level. Um, that the, uh, the the club tra transformed. Um, but um, I have to say that you know I've enjoyed watching. Well, I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, but uh, but it's been fun watching the Albion at, at every level. And and sometimes I think back uh, even with nostalgia to the days at With Dean. Um, uh, thinking of Danny Cullips. Uh, thumping header to, to clinch the, uh, the, uh, the the fourth tier championship. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, lots of good, lots of good memories. Um, some pretty painful uh, watching experiences, particularly the first season at Gillingham, but um, uh, yeah, it's been a real roller coaster ride, but I've, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, as we all know, going to matches, it's not, it's not just about the quality of the football. It's about the, the shared experience. Um, uh, having a, having a good time, going to the pub, etc. So that's um, you know that that that's what makes it, I think. Absolutely, and we've been to plenty of away games together, haven't we? Um, and I mean, it dulls the pain, doesn't it, for for the football really? It's to follow. <laughs> the alcohol <laughs> certainly dulls the pain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, were, were you always into football? Was that right from the very first when your dad um, took you? Was I mean, no. Strange, strangely enough, point. actually, I I didn't um, I didn't get into it till till I was ten, um, and it was actually it was actually after the the World Cup, um, and I think I think the memory's a bit hazy now, but I think it was the um, the cup final between Chelsea and Tottenham in '67, and I knew nothing about football at that that time, but I just remember I have a clear memory of it being discussed on the bus going to school and. Um, um, you know, people people taking sides, and and that's when I that's when I got into it. Um, so, um, and my dad, although you know he he had watched the great Pompey sides, the post-war Pompey sides, they they'd won two two first division championships back to back um, after the uh, after the war. Um, but um, um, he he wasn't really fanatical in the same way that I am, but. You know, it was something. It was a shared interest, I guess, and um, uh, I got him back into going to matches. Um, and um, yeah, so that 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 was how it started, really. Um, but it was re yeah, relatively late. I wouldn't say till I was about ten that I I really got into it. And then I suppose one of the um, although I've been watching matches for 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 a couple of years by then, but the, the 1970 World Cup 
I think also was was an amazing experience to watch that on on TV and the, the great Brazil side. So um, I think that was when I realised, well, what a that was what the beautiful game was really. Not not quite the same as going to see the Albion at the Goldstone, you know, in the third division. But um, yeah, that's when yeah. I started getting really enthusiastic. I think. I think um, certainly that, that I'm pretty jealous um, to that you're old enough to have remember that. Uh, World Cup had just, that, I missed that one a little bit, um, but it seemed like a bit of a cracker, um, a, a real classic era. And I can understand that would certainly um, sell the whole love affair of football to you. But in terms of um, your idols growing up, I mean, who, who in particular, either for England or, or of course, yeah. for, for the Albion, who, who were the idols? Who were the main oh, figures? Well, I, I, well, in terms of the Albion, I suppose the first one was Kit Napier, who, who was a very cultured um forward um and i think he i think he ended up with about 96 goals for the albion someone will no doubt correct me on that one but um he was um but you know he only ever played for us or that i saw him just trying to think if he was in the side that went up um in um 70 72 um but he he was a scottish um player um and and really you know he was one of those players and you think well why is he actually playing at that level because he had something about him you know um um and then um i suppose well obviously you had the the mullery era with um uh with ward and co um lawrenson i think is probably still the best player that i've seen play for the albion um i mean in in terms of sheer ability i guess you know pe people like vicente would be would be up there with him, but but Lawrenson was was so consistent um, and fantastic player to watch. But but other players in that side, um, uh, Brian Horton, Nobby Horton, um, were, were were great players as well. Ward obviously up front. Um, just the whole the whole of that side though. I think uh, Gary Stevens at fullback was a very very cultured player. Um, uh, so those those would be the ones. And then then later on. Uh, and Russell, you'll know this because we've had discussions about him. But John John Byrne, um, in the um, uh, late late 80s, early early 90s, was he's still still in my top top five Albion players actually because I think he was Ooh. he was a quality player, immaculate um, control and distribution, um, and and I always liked I always liked him because although he was he was obviously pretty tough he. He always played the game in a in, in in a good spirit, as far as I could see. So uh, he he's he's one of my all-time favourites as well. Uh, more recently, and again, you'll know this, um, Bruno. Um, I think has been my favourite Albion player of the the modern era, um, and uh, uh, I just love love to watch him playing. I love love watching elegant players, and Bruno fits into that category. Yes, I think you're the ultimate fanboy when it comes to Bruno. Um, the swooning is quite, <laughs> quite ridiculous. Uh, if we ever yeah, get him on hard, the show, you'll have to join to him. Replace, but I, I, I think, um, I think Veltman actually. Um, there are signs cool. that he could be he uh, not replacing Bruno in my affections, but certainly, um, I've been quite impressed with him so far in terms of classy player in an understated way. I would, I would say. Yeah. Andy. Yeah, I I was um, waiting for Bruno, but it, he he just wasn't coming, um, as it were. So I, I was just kind of wondering whether um, he'd make your top five. Um, and I mean, 
I, I think I probably agree with you, although um, I'm wondering if he's even our best right back of the Amit era now. So I, I, let me throw that one out to you. Ooh, um, <laughs> that's a challenge. I mean, I'm trying to think of who might compete with him. I mean, um, I, I'm talking about I the current... also mention Wayne, Wayne Bridge, actually, at left back. Yeah. That's one of the, the best fullbacks I've seen for the Albion. Um, I'm uh, talking about the current uh, right wing back incumbent. Oh, OK. 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 Well, yeah, he, I mean, he's certainly a wonderful, wonderful player, but I don't think he's the um, the finished article yet. Um Obviously, he's got he's got pace to burn. Um, but sometimes, um, you know, and 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 I think this will come obviously with 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 experience because he's still quite a raw talent. But but certainly in terms of his decision making, whereas you know Bruno, um, you know, despite his advanced years, you would never you would never kind of question his decision making um, and just his general his general sort of demeanour on the pitch as well, on and off the pitch, I should say, because he was. Uh, a fantastic ambassador for the club still is, I think. Yeah, it's such an excellent figure, isn't it? And so well loved by so many. Um, he's going to be hard to uh, to better. But certainly I, I can agree with Andy's sentiments that uh, Mighty Mouse, as I'm now calling him, or Tick, um, is uh, is certainly um, challenging, I think. Um, in the early days, obviously, but he's challenging the notion a little bit, potentially in the long term, if he stayed with us, which it feels like there's a... Hardly a catch chance in hell of happening, but if he did, um, then uh, he, could, he could go on to be as legendary for certain as well. But speaking of how time moves on, um, as time went along as a fan, David, um, as things developed and changed, um, well, I mean, what, what were the things you noticed that were most different along the way, apart from the obvious thing about stadiums and the, the battle for eventually for, for the Amex? But in, in football terms in general, uh, what were the main changes you experienced as you continue to be a football fan? Um, well, I, I, I suppose the quality of football improved um, uh, greatly. Um, and um, I, I suppose in recent years, um, you know, when when Gus arrived, I think that that was an incredible transformation. The, the, the whole style of play obviously was 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 transform, transformed. And I and um, you know, um, you might have reservations about certain certain things that that, that he did. You know, in in, in terms of um, tactics or whatever. But I just thought the style of football was was uh, was wonderful to watch. Um, um, I suppose the other thing that I would mention, and um, and this is, I guess, in, inevitable, um, particularly now that we're in the uh, in in the Premier League, but is certainly in terms of the professionalism of the club, which I I don't think was was there before necessarily you know um um in in some ways you know i i, I kind of feel that the, the club has, has has lost something but then i think that's probably the price you pay for you know being being at that level and of course the club club has to be run like that and it's uh very prudent but just just sometimes i felt you know that the club um um it's a business, obviously, and and that seems to be paramount sometimes. Um, you know, with 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 uh, supporters being referred to as uh, customers and things like that, which um, which rather rather grated on me. But um, I mean, generally, you know, I mean, that's that's a that's not a major criticism because I think the club is very well well run and prudently run. Um, I think we're lucky to have the the ownership that we do. 
Yeah, Mr. Barber is quite conscious of the uh, of the customer factor, isn't he? And he's he's alluded to that, and he's well aware of um, of the clash of that expression with football culture. Um, so, I mean, so fair enough on, on that yeah. score. No, that's right, and particularly when you when you when you think of what the the, the club has been and what the supporters have been through, you know, in uh, in in the nineties, mid to late nineties. Um, um, so there's 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 a history there, and um, and and clearly, you know, um, and particularly with the pay per view um, issue, um, I don't think that was handled particularly well. Um, uh, and I, I think you know sometimes um, you know. Although it is a business, and we all, you know, we all understand that that it has to be like that in a way. Um, I think, you know, the, his, the history of the club is still very important, and the um, the, the the place, um, the part that the supporters have played in that history. Yeah, I completely and... agree with you there, David. I think I said when we were doing the show about the pay per view, it really, it really annoys me too about the whole customer thing because from my point of view a customer is someone who buys based on logic and you know and that sort of thing and will then if if they don't get the service they require they will leave and move on and football fans were like that then they'd all support Man City or Liverpool they wouldn't support teams yeah. like Brighton they wouldn't yeah. be a single person who followed Brighton after a terrible yeah. you know I've, I've seen us lose yeah. like 7-1 at Huddersfield why would I go back if I was a customer it's yeah. ridiculous yeah. exactly exactly um uh yeah does this mean that we're all illogical in supporting the Albion? But, I think we um... probably are, in a sense, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. We've been to so many bad games over the years, and you still keep Highly. still keep going, don't we? I mean, it's not. Yeah. If you use logic to define that, then you probably wouldn't keep going. But it's it's not about logic. It's yeah. highly illogical yeah. and, and extremely foolhardy, I think. But um, can't stop yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Well, it was <laughs> um, certainly very illogical to go to Gillingham for two seasons. Um, although the second was better than the first, I have to say. But that was. Um, that was uh, that yeah. was completely insane in a way, but you know, if, if it's your passion, that's what you do. Um, yeah. Without wanting yeah, to insult I mean... Gillingham, to go to Gillingham at all is pretty illogical, to be honest. <laughs> let alone for two seasons. So, well, yeah. I, I, I always thought um, if if Kent is the Garden of England, then Gillingham is probably the outside toilet, um, unfortunately. Um, but that's where we had to go for a couple of years. Um, it, it was it was quite. Um, an intriguing time. I didn't get to go very often because I was working Saturdays back then. But um, did you go regularly, David, to the uh, to uh, Priestfield? Uh, I did. I did. Um, yeah, I used to. Um, it, and, you know, I, I have some happy memories of midweek matches. And I think there was one where we lost, uh, was it 3-0 at home to Barnet that I can remember? Uh, so I used I because I was commuting to London in those days and then I, I would get the train down to Gillingham and then I'd hitch a ride back on the, uh, the supporters um, club coach um, back to, uh, back to Brighton. And, uh, you know, the, the atmosphere was uh, after a lot of those matches was funereal, I think uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but um, you know, you, 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 you did it. Uh, I think the one that I regret missing actually, I think it was in the first season we drew, um, Peter might remember this, but we drew 4-4, I think, on the bo- Boxing Day match, and I actually missed that one. And I think it was probably one of the few times that season when we scored any goals. Yeah, Colchester so. home, and we were three down at half do- half time or at some point. Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Colchester. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was. That I, was I, a I missed that one, unfortunately. Um, but the I think after Gary Hart arrived, things started to to look up a bit because he was certainly. Uh, the one shining light in the, yeah certainly the first like two thirds of that season under Horde we played pretty well quite a lot of the time I think we were in the playoffs at one point and then it all yeah. went a bit wrong after he left should we say and we dropped down quite significantly didn't we and, we had Jeff uh, Minton and people like that then didn't yeah we, I think. Richie Barker 
Yeah, Barker mm. was, was decent. Barker was good. Yeah, yeah, I liked him. The yeah. best. Yeah, we, we were yeah well, definitely that... a lot better than the first season where we were frankly <laughs> yeah. so lucky to survive that year with whatever like. 30-odd points or something like that, something ridiculous. Yeah. Well, we won, th- we other... won three three so-called home matches and, and three away that season, I think. I, so, I still uh... think that 0-0 with Doncaster on uh, Valentine's Day, wasn't it, or something like that? Was that the worst game of football, professional football I've ever seen in my life? <laughs> yeah, I just... have to agree. <laughs> I didn't go yeah. to that one, but the, the, the You, didn't, you did not miss anything. Roch... It was... <laughs> yeah. The board draw with Rochdale sounded like it might be pretty similar because that's one I went to uh, along... Those lines, and that was pretty dreadful. But you, you bear um, in mind how awful we were that season, and Doncaster finished about ten points behind us. Hmm. So you can work out pretty easily how terrible they were. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of. Uh... Well, I mainly went. If I did go, I went to the Rainham end, sort of the so-called home ends behind the goal. But um, I remember the other Boxing Day game, um, the other season we beat Brentford. I think it was three-one, and my dad made a very rare appearance. His only one at Priestfield. Um, for that game, that was a, a rare moment of joy. The only time I saw us win at Priestfield, um, and apart from that, it was, well, there was also the Darlington game, and uh, so, some, I've got some Darlington supporting mates who listen to this, there's uh, Andy, hello to Andy Black, and also to Sarah, if you're listening, and um, they were both at the game, along with Sarah's other half, James, who's also a regular listener, hello James, and they were all um, with us when we um, went along to the game at um, Priestfield, and we lost, I think it was 4-0, um, singing Fat Palace Reject to Marco Gabbiadini. I think he got a brace or something uh, in response. It no, never seemed trick. to work. He got a hat-trick. Oh, was it a hat-trick? It wasn't yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Even worse than I remember. And Peter Smith um, scored the own goal there for the other one. <laughs> Ridiculous own goal. <laughs> that, that was another dreadful afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember in that match, with fans. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember, remember in that match that Gabbiadini got a... Um, he, he did get a standing ovation, actually, when he completed his hat-trick from the Albion fans. So, that's... Uh, that was, that was yeah. quite something, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was a good player for the level. He was actually, I think, a bit too good for the for the level he was at at the time. Um, and, yeah, we us singing abuse at him didn't seem to work too well. It seemed to inspire him, <laughs> which is uh, a commonly held view amongst players, isn't it? Um, yeah. Never mind, never mind. Going back to the Goldstone as well, um, whereabouts did you tend to frequent uh, for home games? Because you would have been... So you would have been in sort of drinking age by early 80s, is that right, roughly speaking? So I'm just trying to get a picture um, of... Before before that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, don't have to admit that if you don't I, want. I was, still, I was still going in those days with, with, with my dad, and we, we used to drive down from, um, you know, where we lived, just, just outside Horsham. Um, so we didn't actually tend to go to the... Um, the, the the pub in those days we would just we would just go straight to the match and then come come straight home again um so um but yeah um i mean i i used to i think we started off um the very first match which which was against stockport county as i mentioned um i think we were in the west end for that but but after that we um we sort of graduated to the um uh the south southwest corner and then uh sorry northwest corner i should say not southwest northwest and then eventually um ended up in the uh in, in the north stand um so i've i, I think I've, I've been in every every part of the the, the the goldstone you know watching them but yeah mainly northwest and then the, the north stand um but um you know the the place over the years became became more dilapidated obviously but it um you know it was still home wasn't it and 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 could generate a really good atmosphere i think um on its day you know when we were when we were playing well hmm. yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah, it, it could be pretty good on certain days. Um, and when did you start going with mates as opposed to, or, or did you always go with family all the way through the Goldstone um, years? I think mainly, um, yeah, no, I think my, my my dad, although, as I say, he wasn't fanatical to, to his credit, you know, he would uh, he would he would still come along because um, um, the Albion wasn't really his team. But, you know, he 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 liked, you know, watching watching good football and, and, and obviously during the Mullery era, you know, that was that was a really exciting team to watch. Um, uh, you know, and people today say, you know, today's squad is is the best ever, and probably, objectively, probably they are at this level. But you know, actually, that Mullery team was um, was 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 something else as well. You know, in terms of the attacking, positive attacking play, um, and of course, you you know, you had really good defenders in in that team as well. Um, I mean, it's diff- it's difficult to compare compare different eras, but. Um, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, um, uh, yeah, it was it was mainly with with, with family. Um, we were joined joined by um, by by my friend Gerard later um, in from the late eighties, early nineties, I guess. Um, so he he became a became a regular as well. Is that the legendary Gerard, Mister Turning Up at the Last Minute at away games when you've got his ticket, Gerard? That's that's the one. That's the one. So I've um, I've known him for for thirty years now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, wow, wow. So he goes back away. And in terms of managers, uh, obviously you mentioned Mullery. Who else stood out for you prior to the should we say the 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 Gus era? Um, yeah. Chris Catlin. I mean, he was a, one of my favourites. Yeah, I I really like the Catlin side actually. Again, I thought that was um, I I thought he was really unlucky to be um, to be sacked at the time because he he had some really good players. I mean, um, I still have fond memories actually talking of favourite players of, of Frank Worthington playing for us in his dotage, um, and I think he was already about about thirty six by by then. Um, but he, I think he scored around nine nine goals. That it was he was only with us for one season, but got got about nine goals. Um, mm. And um, he, he, you know, he was such a skillful player um, and still had it. Although you know, obviously the probably the legs had gone by that point. But he he was such an intelligent, um, skillful player that you know, bit bit like Glenn Murray in that sense, but probably probably even even more skillful because he had all the tricks. Um, Frank Worthington. Um, oh, he's a great and, player. Yeah. And one of my favourite moments actually was meeting him outside um, uh, the valley, um, and I saw him coming out of a bookies um, before an away match at at, uh, at Charlton, and um, he was he was suited and booted, and I and I thought, oh well, I've got to try and get Frank Worthington's autograph, and um, and went up to him, and I, I I was surprised to see him, you know, in in a suit because I thought he would be playing, and I said, oh, you know aren't you playing today Frank and he said um he said no the manager doesn't know what he's doing so (laughs) (laughs) so that was that that was Chris Catlin at the time um but yeah Catlin Catlin had some really good players I I really liked Danny Wilson as a midfielder for us because he he was gritty uh had a lot of drive um but but skillful as well and can remember him scoring a at least a twenty-yarder screamer at uh, at Selhurst as well in mm. uh, in about eighty-six, I think. So uh, yeah, we had some good good players then. Um, going Ian back Saunders. even further, I I 
quite liked, although it didn't it didn't end up so well for him. But I liked Pat Saywood, so he he got his promotion from the um, the third division um, in seventy two. I think I'm right in saying. Um, but we we came back down the following season. Um, couldn't we couldn't maintain it? But that that was a really good um, side to watch, and and that was a side that beat. Um, uh, we were on match of the day, you know, and as in, in that era, obviously, they only showed one match, I think. Um, and we, we played Aston Villa, who we, you know, we were vying with Villa at the top of the table um, and beat Villa 2-1. And it was on match of the day and we scored the goal of the season. Um, fantastic uh, move. So that that was a really good um, attacking side as well. Um, and... Um, um, yeah, and and obviously Mickey, the Mickey Adams. I think Mickey Adams, um, first not not his second stint at the club, but his his first stint at the club. Um, given given how low we'd sunk, I thought you know that he did fantastically well there. All the players he brought in were players of character, um, and um, and obviously players like Zamora as well. So that that was a side I really enjoyed watching because um, it really felt to me, you know, like the. The, the phoenix had arisen from the ashes um, when we uh, when when we clinched the uh, the championship um, in uh, two thousand and one. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say third. I think was it the third division then? Certainly the fourth tier. It was before League uh, One and League Two, wasn't it? I think. I think. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. I've lost track, to be honest. You obviously, you um, obviously had the Premier League, but then you had one, two, three, didn't mm. you? So it was the third division I think that's championship. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that that was a really good side. I mean, not not just Zamora, but people like Paul Brooker. Mm. Yeah, well, we'd had we'd obviously we'd we'd suffered in the meantime in the interim. We'd we'd suffered the deterioration in the nineties, the war years. We've mentioned exile in Kent, obviously. In terms of the the war years itself, I mean, what what was your experience of that? Did you have much going on in, at that time, or were you? Was that when you were away? I think wasn't it? You said you told me once. Uh, yeah, I was. I was actually abroad for most of that time. Actually, um, yeah, from '95 um, uh, to to '97, I, uh, I I was in uh, living in Prague, um, and um, I came back um, after the end of the you know the the, the season um, when we um, uh, when we when we survived by the skin of our teeth and the, the last season at the Goldstone. Um, yeah, so I only saw a few matches that that season, and I I can remember um, coming back um, and seeing us um, get beaten three one by by Carlisle when when Aspinall or an Aspinall ran ran the length of the pitch to score for Carlisle, which is which is quite incredible to think of. But um, um, and I I I was just I was so kind of shocked by the the poisonous atmosphere at the Goldstone at the time and obviously with the 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 the, the regime that was in place um and I found that very depressing um but then I came I was still around um because I was back for Christmas for, for Steve Grit's first match and um and and obviously you know he was seen at the time or when he first came in as a, as a stooge of the um the the Archer Bellotti axis but um but in in fact, you know, um, he did as we all know, he did a fantastically good job, and, and we beat Hull City three three nil that day. Um, so uh, that was that was when things started to turn around. But it was pretty depressing, actually, the few the few matches I saw then. But I, it was very difficult at the time because this was sort of pre pre internet, so I had to kind of follow it from afar. And um, I had a shortwave radio in Prague trying to listen to the commentary, but it was uh, it was it was not easy. You know, the reception was awful, but uh, 
so I did try and follow it as best I could but uh, yeah um, not uh, not not great days at the time but I had a great night out in Prague when we um, when we when we stayed up absolutely uh, that was good fair play yeah I was I was um, again I was working weekends I was in Hampshire so I wasn't far away I was still in the same region for local tv news so I was seeing it unfold in detail when I could but um essentially I was I was missing a lot of those those times the late 90s because of work and other commitments so I I didn't get to see it firsthand albeit I missed out from a closer range than, than yourself but um but incidentally, just one thing on Frank Worthington. He strikes me as a woodbines and whiskey kind of guy. I don't know. <laughs> he just absolutely <laughs> smacks of it, doesn't he? <laughs> Slick back hair as well, balding. He's absolutely fantastic yeah. old school football guy. But he yeah. had that elegance and style that, um, well, he's, he's very much an old fashioned footballer, wasn't he? You, I know you've mentioned in recent times um, one player who's who's been much maligned but by, well, many people, Brighton fans in particular, is Jack Grealish. And you use the word elegant to describe him as a yeah. player, which I would agree with. Um, do you think he's in some ways a throwback to that old style of footballer? Um, yeah, he. I, I, I suppose that's right, actually. And, and I have to say, and I know a lot of Albion fans don't like to hear this, but, um, um, and, you know, because obviously, you know, he he always has a knack of scoring against us. But um, and you know, some of his antics I I don't like particularly. But but I have to say he's a very good footballer, and I just love watching players like that. But yeah, I think you're right. He 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 is he is quite a sort of old school type of footballer because he's he he's a playmaker, and I loved you know watching players like Pirlo and. Um, uh, and you know, further back, Glenn, Glenn Hoddle, who I, who I saw a couple of times live, and um, was absolutely brilliant, brilliant footballer. Um, um, you know, um, in thinking of the the eighties, um, uh, you know that that, that French side um, who um, who won the, uh, the the European Championship in eighty four thought was was a fantastic side as well so player you know just just players like that and I kind of guess Grealish does fit into that mold and I'm I'm you know I have to say I'm really disappointed that that um that Southgate isn't playing him more because um mm. uh, you know when 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 you looked at the, the last World Cup um when we came up against a really good side with with Croatia um Modric, obviously, you know, controlling the midfield. I mean, this this is what England sides over the years have lacked um, that that's that spark in midfield. Um, mm. And I think it was a real shame that Hoddle, you know, that, that the most wasn't made of his talent when he was um, when he was playing for for England. Um, and um, but you know, for for me, you know, aesthetically, those are the those are my my favourite type of players, which I think is why I like Bruno so much, um, just yeah, because everything yeah. he did was immaculate and uh, and elegant as well. Yeah, interesting you, you mentioned that, because I think, um, well, first of all, I think Jack Grealish falls into that local hero category, doesn't he, like Letizia at Southampton and various other players you could list. I do think the fact they're able to hang on to him is is partly down to Southgate calling him up to England. I think that helped ease him into a new contract. But the fact he hasn't played him much since may suggest to that that's still pending possible yeah. change. Um, but I, I do think England have got a pawn shop for, um, for squandering talent, haven't they? The, the amount of players they've not used to their best. You could mention Lezizier himself, Barnes, Hoddle, Paul Scholes, the list, Ian Wright, actually. Yeah. Um, the list goes on, doesn't it? 
Um, and Grealish maybe maybe falls into that category as well. You could could potentially yeah, say yeah. And you know, going further back, I mean, we've talked about Worthington. Worthington would all, I don't know how many mm. caps he got for England, but it wasn't you know he may have got about ten caps or so for England, but I don't think it was much more than that. Um, and you know, and you know, perhaps in the modern the modern day game, you know, um, athleticism and um, efficiency is sort of valued over everything else which I think is is a shame in a way because I think you've I've always liked watching those sort of maverick talents and obviously Gascoigne um fitted into that mold although he you know, he did he did play a lot more for England I guess um but um um you know those those are the sort of players that make uh, make football interesting for me hmm. yeah and Andy I don't know if you've got anything um, to sort of add to that, in ter- particularly about Grealish, but in, in general, do you think there's anybody where we've squandered through the years, apart from those listed? <laughs> uh, well, um, my Albion history is, is a relatively brief one. Um, uh, it doesn't even span the whole of the Amex era. era. Um, mm. I, I have to, I mean, I'm really disappointed that... Um, uh, I have to admit that Grealish looks like about the best player in the Premier League at the moment. And um, although Southgate's resisted his selection, I don't think he's he's going to be able to for uh, um, looking ahead. Um, I mean, one of the explanations as to why is he doesn't fit in with that kind of full-free-free uh, system that he plays. Um, but I don't see why you can't play him you know, wide left, that's probably where he's his best, although he, he does like to get involved or maybe even tweaking the system um, to accommodate him. Um, mm. I, I think it's very difficult to leave him out. Um, I, I will come back to that France 84 side. Um, the midfield of that, that was that was sublime. Um, I don't think you've mentioned Zidane, David. Um, I think he fits that mould of player that you're talking he's probably one of the most thrilling players that I've seen um, hmm. the the level of technique um, stunning oh, he's a um, I've seen him live, I'd agree he's with that. amazing player amazing hmm. Yeah, and I, I I was lucky enough when I when I was in Prague actually to see Mal, I saw um, AC Milan played um, Sparta Prague in a, Maldini, in a second, yeah. second leg of the European Cup match and uh, to be honest it was um it was a bit of a dead rubber because I think Milan were already three 0 up after the first leg, and it was, it was it was in the winter and and, and pretty pretty sort of uh, frozen pitch as well. Um, so I, th- I think a lot of the Milan players didn't didn't really fancy it, but Mal- Maldini was certainly um, stood out to me um, in that match, and he he was just uh, again one of the, one of the best footballers I've ever seen live. I think, um, and then um, further back, um, I, I saw. Barcelona play in, in Vienna in the early 90s and Kuman was playing for Barcelona then with um, uh, Romario um, Stoichkov were, were, were playing as, as well um, and Kuman was a, was a fantastic footballer although he was a defender you know he was in the sort of Beckenbauer mould and um, you know he could ping 40-50 yard balls you know on, onto, a, onto a sixpence um, just just absolutely brilliant player um, not sure about him as a manager, but but certainly as a player, he was he was something else. He hit amazing yes, free kicks as well, didn't he? As well, yeah, yeah, yeah. As there's, England there's, know there's to their cost. Much, 
there's a much trodden cliche, but I think it's true about players who of quality seeming to have time and space um, outside of the normal reality. And I think that's certainly true of all those players. Seeing the Zidane game that I did, which was a pre-season friendly in Madrid one summer, I was over for a wedding and then... Um, I went along with this scouser, this Liverpool fan, a wife, and um, somebody else came along. And we, we went to um, two days of this friendly mini-tournament. And one of the games is actually a long ball from the back. And it went to Zidane in the centre circle. And he just brought the ball down. And he just did a couple of bits of movement with his, apart from a brilliant first touch, a couple of bits of movement with his body, which actually made the defender step backwards in anticipation of what he thought he was going to do. Uh, I'm not quite sure what I saw. But he ended up with more space, actually, than he had at the beginning. Rather than seeming to keep the space, he actually created more. And then he just did a couple of movements, a shimmy, and then laid off a brilliant pass somewhere. And you just think, wow, this this guy is on a different planet. And those sort of players, it's just a pleasure and a privilege to to ever be lucky enough to see them in the flesh. Um, I did see Messi as well in the second game at the Emirates, one of the ramp-up events. But um, he was the younger man at the time. Um, he wasn't the obvious Focal point, uh, Elano actually was the man of the match. He scored two goals in a 3-1 win for Argentina against Brazil in that match. Um, the memories of that being um, hundreds of pitch invasions by Brazil fans who couldn't believe they could get onto the pitch so easily, <laughs> which was quite entertaining. <laughs> but um, So lucky enough to see Messi, but I would have loved to have seen him in his prime. Uh, that's the one big regret I have, non-Albion related in football so yeah. far. What, what about you guys? Biggest regrets? Football-wise, we can come back to that if you want time to think about it. <laughs> I wouldn't. It's not certainly not a regret, but I I, I did see um, my my dad worked with my dad was a was a teacher in Crawley and he worked with um, uh, a guy who was a, who was a Manchester United fan actually from Manchester, um, a proper mank and um, he he actually took us to some games in London in the 60s so I did see um I did have the privilege of seeing George Best once um although I don't think he mm. played in the other United matches I saw at that time um but I, I think Best was prob- probably the best footballer I've ever seen live I mean in terms of you know um I- I- excitement he was he was at his peak then um absolutely amazing player um but I think well, he got kicked yeah. as much as Maradona did didn't he as well he did, yeah. Every, and everybody you know, when, you, when, well. when you look at the, the state of the pitches in, in those days as well, you know, I mean just his his balance was phenomenal, you know, mm. that he could he could he could keep going on those 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 pitches and and, and being sort of hacked to bits as well by 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 defenders. Yeah. So I think people forget how bad the pitches were. Even I saw a game the other day of the eighties. Um it was something to do with uh, Liverpool against somebody and I, I couldn't believe how bad the pitch was in the 80s in Liverpool's glory years yeah. um, it must have been something like 83, 84 uh, or it might have been later actually it might have been 85, 6 and it was pretty bad there were some weird lines on the pitch it was bobbles there was cracks there was mud and um, for those players to have been that good in that in those conditions of that era um, amazing amazing stuff um, well Finishing this sequence before we break for our first interval, David, um, just bringing it up to the modern time with uh, the Amex era, obviously delighted to get there and after the long time in the wilderness. Um, what have you been your particular highlights and downsides, should we say, as well, uh, from the first 
well a decade or so isn't it now um well i've i've enjoyed the whole the whole time to be honest with you obviously you know not not going up in in 2016 was a a disappointment but you know um we played fantastic football that year and i think it, perhaps even better football than than we played in the following season um but obviously we 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 found a way to um to 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 win um the, the following season but um a highlight would for me would be Vicente watching Vicente um and sadly it wasn't it wasn't that often but um uh he was just a wonderful footballer to watch as well um and um yeah so that I suppose a regret would be you know that, that we didn't see him play more often because he was um he, he was on a different planet to the, uh, the 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 rest of the team um and um but yeah but but generally um i've i've really enjoyed it um and um you know i think i think sometimes maybe you know maybe the atmosphere has been has been lacking there but then that's that's fairly common you know in uh, in all seater stadia premier league premier league grounds you know it's not it's not just at brighton um but so sometimes i miss that that sort of old you know standing on the terraces and things but you know um see things move on and um you know the 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 stadium is fantastic so it generally for me it's been a really really positive experience so you know i was sorry that that it ended the way it did with gus because i you know i I thought that was a that was a great side um um 2012 2013 um love watching that side um but you know generally it's been uh it's been an upward trajectory and hope it Mm. continues like that Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you haven't mentioned 2013, which of course didn't happen at all. Nothing happens <laughs> in that season worth mentioning. Um, in terms of uh, Vicente, I mean, that really is the definition of the beautiful game, isn't it? Watching someone like him. I remember I'm in the West Upper. You've got a season ticket in the East, haven't you? you have That's right. Yeah. Have you had for the whole time, I think. Is, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same seat yeah. the whole time. And, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and basically, uh, I just remember watching one game where Vicente, it might have been, may have been the Derby game, I can't remember now. There was one game where he got people off their feet and the whole behaviour of the crowd became Spanish-like rather than traditional English-like. And I found that one of the most fascinating moments I've ever had at football. Yeah. Just seeing crowd behaviour change according to the performance of the player on the pitch. They So instead of the go, 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 get on type of stuff, it was just this whoa. You know, yeah. people just rose. They almost made a noise as they rose. This is how they hit with the bar against Derby after, after mm, that, that yeah. slalom, and slalom-like run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. sort of it somehow expanded my horizons in terms of my perception of football then. That moment thinking that you can imagine yourself suddenly being in Spain purely because this yeah. one Spanish player is having a moment of glory in a championship fixture in, in England, which in the old days would have been nothing to write home about. And possibly wasn't even then, but for us it was beautiful. I could see Andy smiling. I, I'm sure you remember that one, <laughs> the Derby game. Happy days, happy days. Yeah. Well, on that note, we'll break briefly for uh, the end of the first part of this um, episode. Coming up next, we've got some big football news and some small football news as well. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back in just a jiffy. Cheers for now. So welcome back to part two of the latest episode. We've swapped the uh, running order around a little bit, actually, because Andy not 
has to go. He won't be sticking around for part three, probably. And he wanted to get his teeth into the Burnley game, I'm sure. So we're going to do that first. And the football news will come in part three. So part two, Burnley, the review. A board draw, you could say. And certainly a nil-nil draw. Um, what's your take on it, guys? Well, let's go to Andy first. Um, what, what did you make of the match? Well, it's it's something that we're very, very familiar with, isn't it? Um, mm. We played well. Uh, we didn't score. We didn't um, come away with a kind of advantage that we should have done, um, that I think we deserved. Um, again, uh, you mentioned VAR. Um, there's been a lot of talk about handballs and consistency. Um well, there has been consistency with given decisions on handball, apart from us, because I think that there was a quite clear penalty in there um, by current standards. Um, yeah. uh, uh, that was the one. I think Charlie Taylor was um, involved in two incidents where the ball hit, hit his hand. The first one quite clearly wasn't because yeah, he had agreed. his um, arms within his silhouette, silhouette but the other one um, it wasn't which is uh, when Lalana hit the ball from the left I thought that was a, you know it should have been a clear penalty um, It was more distinctive but, than Joe Gomez wasn't it in the Liverpool City game Yeah, which was one of the other big incidents but of the weekend Of course it hasn't featured um, in the media uh, and they're just talking about consistency um, uh, but uh, um, here I am whinging about refereeing decisions and bar decisions and so forth <laughs> um, Welcome I to our I, club <laughs> I thought we played pretty well when it ca- comes down to it I, I think Lalana looks as though he's increasingly influential uh, Basuma had another good game um, I think David's right to be quite excited by Veltman. Um, be interesting to see what happens with our centre backs when um, Dunk returns. Um, I'm still really down on Dan Byrne, I'm afraid, as much as I love his effort. Um, uh, a few people asking why Alzati isn't in the team, why Gross was. I thought Gross played pretty well, actually, I, and I mm. thought he dovetailed with Lalana pretty well and you can um, see that if you're not going to play March, Trossard and um, McAllister that perhaps it was his dead ball um, ability that brought it in but yeah I could get going on the short corner routine Um, that's frustrating we had an awful lot of that in that game Um, I thought Basima and Lamptey were, were really good in that game. Um, Welbeck looks quite exciting, um, but he didn't get his first goal. Uh, yeah, again, lots of touches in the penalty area, but over-elaborate. Um, so I think the key thing that we need to be working on over this um international break is shooting earlier um but the Burnley result obviously follows on from the West Brom result um where people fans were expecting us to get at least one victory there so um I sense a shift in people's mood um and increasing 
questioning of Potter, the club, um, some of the players as well. I don't share that at all. Um, um, I think we need to stick with him. I think at the moment I'm still of the view that um, uh, even if we get relegated, we should stick with Potter. He's under very long-term contract. Um, I'm wondering who the alternative would be. Um, I'm also um, of the view that uh, we've transformed our playing style um, and kind of what we are um, substantially under Potter and um, I'm not so sure that somebody coming in um, would help that Um, and in defence of Potter I will say that he is he was hired in no small part because um, he could bring out what Bloom has spent an awful lot of time and money developing, which is um, players from the academy. He's brought an awful lot of players through, um, and I suspect their transfer value is uh, um, all all of a sudden, it looks as though that investment in the academy is beginning to pay off. Um, And it's just, if we can stick around in the Premier League for a, a little bit longer that um, I think you know I think we're on an upward trajectory of uh, a couple of things that I'll also point to is um, uh, um, Carlo Ancelotti um, praised the way in which we play and, and what we are what we're doing uh, I was also listening to Radio 5 Live on Saturday early afternoon and they had Nigel Pearson on there and he was saying that Brighton are the club that have don't compromise they've got a vision and they're trying to implement it mm. and um, uh, even if uh, we're not Albion fans you'd want something like that to, to prevail wouldn't you someone who's got a, a, a vision for something good something that's that's positive to prevail you'd wish it to happen wouldn't you yeah mm. and i think the, the thing is i mean what's holding us back i think the big picture is great the longer term plan what we're doing the fact we've got a load of european players in before there's any complications with brexit coming into the fore that the overall big picture is great everything relies on us staying in the prem and we're playing well enough in general terms to do that. But obviously this lack of scoring, ability to score and not keeping things out at the other end enough is keeping us close enough to the to the drop zone to be worried. Um, what I mean, Potter's being criticised in some quarters. I think it's too early and it's too much too soon. But how much of that is to do with coaching and how much of that is to do with the strikers just not doing what they should be doing? Because Morpay scored 10 goals last season. He got off to a, a good start, but then it's gone wayward. Um, okay, Connolly hasn't really got into his stride yet. Um, Welbeck is a good signing, but he's not Matt Sharp yet, even though he, I thought, impressed quite well in his first full game, uh, or nearly full game. Um, where, where is the balance in this? It's, it seems like as if we just need a run of luck in front of goal, and it would transform things and, and blow away all of the demons. Yeah, well, I'm I'm of the view that um, even though I predicted that we'd finish 14th this season, you know, um, and 
it might be mentioned that there is this long-term vision of a top 10 club, but um, you've you've got to spend the money on players' wages in order to do that. Um, apart from if you can cheat it somehow, and the way in which Bloom wants to cheat it is through the academy. Um, mm. So it's, it's about long-term. Um, so I suppose what I'm trying to say is I'm not surprised that we're, what, in 15th place. Where we seem to be quite lucky at the moment is, at the moment, at the very least, there are four clubs that are below us um, and that have their own distinctive problems. Um, and <laughs> long may that continue. Yeah, they look like stayers, don't they? It's not the wrong clubs, if you know what I mean. They're clubs that might actually stay down there. Uh, Hopefully. <laughs> who knows? I mean, um, you're usually pretty daft at making those kind of predictions at this stage. I mean, at this stage last season, Southampton were down there, weren't they? Mm. And they've gone on a remarkable run um, subsequently. I just say, yeah, mm. while I agree with you on that, it is slightly concerning that we're, we're dropping a bit adrift of drift of 14th place and above. That is, I mean, to me, that is, I know it's early in the season, I know it's a problem, but we can't, we seem to be relying basically on other teams losing every weekend, and we, and we haven't even beaten two of them in the last two home games. So, I mean, I, I think it, I'm, my issue in a way, sometimes, in some ways, isn't with the strikers, although I don't think Mopay's played great recently. They're not missing sitters, I wouldn't say. Yes, there's one, the one on one, but that was still kind of the keeper came out, made a good save. And that sort of thing. It's, they're not missing sitters. We're not creating the quality of chances. So we're taking shots, but we're taking them from positions maybe we shouldn't do or whatever. So we're really high up in the shot stakes. But actually, in the shots on target, I think we're not doing so well. And obviously, in the goals, well, we're still actually okay in the goals in the end. We got those quite a lot in the first few games. We're not doing amazingly. Yeah. But my, my concern fifth. is... I was going to say, we're fifth on the XG um, yeah. charts which tells you we're not finishing well enough. And we're third on overall shots this season. But can you think of any actual real game. sitters that we've missed? We're not, like, creating not really many. kind of guilt-edge chances, maybe. You know, it's kind of it's interesting to know where they got, where, where what sort of chance takes, what sort of area. Obviously, we've had, what, two penalties and scored them both mm. and other things. My, my concern, and I've, I've said it about two weeks ago and I've said it a number of times, is that these are the conversations we're having a year ago, and I think it's justified a year ago that Potter had had eight games and it's a, the worry is we've not really in my view progressed so I, I was hoping last mm. season what Andy was saying just now about oh if he's just survived this season we'll be okay I was saying that last season now it hasn't happened like that we're mm. still struggling after eight games again this season and we haven't I'm not saying I want Potter out and I agree I think probably they will end up because of the contract he's on keeping him on if they go down anyway but we do. There needs to be some sort of sign of progress, and I totally get why some fans are getting on his back now because I don't feel in the last year that we've really progressed. And yeah, I mean, our, our approach play has, I think, but in terms of the finishing and the results and the making making count our domination in games hasn't <laughs> hasn't improved. Yeah. Uh, David, what, what's your view on it? Um, yeah, the game well, and I mean, general I situation. I wouldn't disagree. I mean, I I I, I tend to um, to Andy's view. Um, to be honest, um, you know, I I I think Potter's a good thing, and I still still think he's a good thing. I think the style of football is wonderful to watch, um, and um, I I think the frustrating thing is that we're so close to being a good side. Um, and you know, when you looked at the Burnley match, I mean, what you know, 
threat did Burnley offer? Um, and the style of football is not personally one that I would want to watch. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I understand that Burnley with their resources have done fantastically well to stay in the Premier League. But after a while, you think, well, actually, what's the point? Because it, you know, it, it's not great to watch. Um, so, yeah, I'm I, I'm a Potter fan and I'm still a Potter fan. Um, and and I like the man as well. I, I, you know, I've got a lot of time for him from everything I've seen. Um so I really hope it, it it comes good for him. But at the same time, I can understand the, um, the frustrations being expressed. Um, I mean, what I would say, I mean, the, you know, the, the positives, um, to use a cliche that I, I took out of the match, um, were, you know, certainly Lalana's performance. I was incredibly impressed with him. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, he's obviously such a gifted player and he's got that knack of, we were talking about players who've got time and space, but he's he's got that knack of finding space. His, his positional play is, is amazing. He's always finding pockets of space, you know, and um, which allows him to, to, to create. Um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not sort of, um, I'm not downcast. Um, I think clearly Mope, you know, is off his game at the moment. Um, and you know that that was in evidence against um, against West Brom, you know when when he sort of spurned the opportunity to um, to shoot in the first half. But that was a wonderful ball through by Lalana. So you know we, I, I can see signs of progress. Um, the other the other positive thing I think, although I think he he faded after the break, but I thought Welbeck did well in the first half. And the one thing I'd say about Welbeck is that and I think he's. He's never, when you look at his club career, um, clearly he's had injury problems, but he's never been a natural striker. And I can, you know, recall him when he was a younger player, missing plenty of one-on-ones. Um, but on the other hand, I, I could see signs of a, a, a potential partnership developing with Mope there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even if he's not, you know, prolific himself, um, I think it might open up um, more space for Mope. Um uh, and I think it, with Mope, it's, it's just a question of his not being on his game at the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, the other question is whether, um, you know, how commonly will 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 develop. And I've, uh, I, to be honest, I've I've, I've been in two minds about commonly, um, and certainly think obviously with his pace, he offers a threat. Um, but sometimes I don't think that we that we've utilised that, um, you know, his ability to get behind defences. Um, but um, you know, I, I hope again, you know, that he he will he will develop because he's he certainly you know when when he has has scored, he's shown that he is actually a good finisher. Um, I mean, all the goals he's he scored have, um, have shown his, his sharpness in front of goal. Um, obviously, Zakiri, we we don't yet know how how he's going to develop, whether whether he's going to be a realistic option this season. But um, you know, it's not for me. It's not all all doom and gloom. But you just feel that they need to get one, you know, one result. Um, and you know, to like the the game against Tottenham last season at home, you know, and 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 that might that that might spark things. But at the moment, it just doesn't really seem to be going for them. Um. Uh, I'd like to see maybe McAllister get more more game time because um, although I felt that he's kind of drifted in and out of games when I've seen him, but he certainly got forward intent um, and has obviously shown that he's he's got a good strike on him as well. So it would be nice to see him getting on the pitch a bit more. And I would agree um, with um, 
with Andy's view about um, Alzate as well, who who impressed me immensely last season. I just wonder whether with Alzate, whether he's still he's still his game time is being managed by the club as it was at the end of last season. Um, I, I I don't know whether he's he's fully fit now, but it it does seem strange to me because he um, does provide a you know a, a, a forward looking option. Um, I would agree that Pascal Gross had a had a good game, certainly first half at least. Um, but you know, um, I, I just feel that sometimes, in a way, he's regressed because things that he was doing well in the first season, um, like his you know dead ball um, delivery and, and and assists, we're not seeing so much of now. Um, I know he had an assist the other day, didn't he? But um, um, yeah, I, I I I think the jury's the jury's out on him. Um, and in a way, I would rather see Alzati, who offers more, I think, in terms of pace and um, forward intent. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of good points there, David, and I, I agree. Um, I think in terms of the first half, you, we played really, really well. I think Welbeck, considering he's not match sharp yet, looked really good. He was linking up well. He was actually making more pay play better. I thought uh, both of those players played better than, and they played off each other in the first half. Link up play with Lalana as well. It all complemented itself nicely. There was also some good stuff going on with Gross and with, with Lamptey coming down the other side. But um, in general, I think the first half was great. The second half was a, a much more agreeable version of the uh, of the second half in the West Brom game, <laughs> you know, we were trying, we weren't getting anywhere, mm-hmm. but it was uh, it, it was a, a more palatable version of the second half of the West Brom game. So I, I found a lot of similarities in a sense. Um, it was a better version of the West Brom game, um, ultimately without the the better result, of course. Um, BBC went for Lamptey as their top Brighton player, 6.80 as their rating. I think apart from that first minute when he had the, the chance from a Welbeck um, set up, wasn't it? I um, mean, I think about 45 seconds in, 50 seconds in, um, blasted over the bar. He had to take it quickly and early. Um, it wasn't too far over. So it wasn't a terrible miss, but some people think he really should have buried it. And it was a pretty good chance, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he should have hit the target um, for what it's worth. Uh, I think you've been a little bit... Um, I, I can see where you're coming from with the comparison to to West Brom in, in the sense that we're a lot better in the first half than the second half. But hmm. we we were dreadful in that second half against um, West Brom. Whereas, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing whereas to compare with that. Burnley, we, we were just kind of... I suppose just a little bit tame and pretty, really, weren't we? We just um, fell away a bit, didn't we? Yeah. Lost a bit of impetus. Yeah. I'm not. I, th- I think you have to give Burnley some credit actually for the way they defended. I mean, yeah. obviously, me me coming back into the defence. I mean, um, although it may not be the prettiest football to watch, um, you know, you, you have to give yeah. credit. He knows how to organise the team, um, and you know, they would they were. Pretty obdurate, difficult to to break down. And the, so, the one uh, thing, actually, yeah, to be fair, is I think they've got England's best goalkeeper in goal as well. Mm. I mean, I think Pope's a, a class yeah. above Pickford. I never quite understand why he doesn't get picked. But yeah, I mean, we are, we were unfortunate in that sense that me came back for the game against us. But yeah, there were a couple of cracking saves in there, weren't there? I mean, the yeah. one, one with Welbeck. Um, I would particularly say. the first one, the first chance yeah. with Welbeck. I thought the frustration he did. is a good though, touch. 
Lamptey takes that chance in the first minute, of course. It's all so different, isn't it, probably? Yeah, but... yeah the whole game changes then. Yeah. yeah. Well, Burnley have conceded 12 goals this season. You have to go up to West Ham in 12th place for the better defence, the, the next best defence, which is 10. And they basically conceded less than virtually everyone in the bottom half of the table. So scoring, especially free scoring against them, was never going to be easy. Can so, I just say that it's a shocking hand... indictment to defend in this season that 12 is regarded as being, in eight games, is regarded as being a very good defensive record. <laughs> that is, a, True, that is yes. a terrible indictment of the Premier League defending so far this season. <laughs> Strange well, in this season, it's, it's a good record, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, normally you'd expect a, a good defence to concede at most a goal a game, if not less. Not yeah, so... I mean, they have, they have also got the worst scoring record in the entire division, by the way, just for reference. How many to, to mention three goals this season. Yeah. That's, yeah. So I mean, we can't commend ourselves for a clean sheet. And that's playing against dreadful, de- dreadful defences largely as well that have been going on this season. I mean, that's yeah. that's what's, I suppose, a little bit encouraging about Burnley and Sheffield United. Both of them have kind of lost their mojo a little bit in the sense that their whole game is based around... Um, shutting out the opposition and nicking a goal um, and they're not really doing either of those things at the moment but mm. um, in terms of you know to return to the Albion um, uh, yeah uh, I think we're going to be having the kind of comp conversations that we're having about this game um, not just about the game but where where Albion are um, because our next four games, I've just had a look at a Villa, Liverpool, Southampton, Leicester. Probably the four form teams in the Premier League. Mm. Um, now, what happens under Potter that never really happened under Hewton is the results tend to be really quite predictable. Uh, uh, um, well, they were predictable under Hewton. Uh, it's less so under Potter. So, we might pull out a surprise, but I'm, I'm really not banking on it um, at the moment mm. out of those four fixtures. Yeah, and if we don't get anything from those, then there's two huge games against Fulham and Sheffield United after that, which would be, yeah. you know, and then the pressure, there's pressure really on those. Yeah. yeah. The one thing I, mean, I, was, I would say about Burnley, though, is that like there's talk of a takeover there, so I wonder if, if they're down the bottom mm. still at Christmas, they may well end up spending quite a bit in January if it goes through. I, that, I mean, much the same as you've said about Sheffield United, Peter. They they have a style of play mm. that is uh, yeah um, requires a certain type of player um, and a, a type of a, an understanding of the style of play um, that's just going to take a while. Um, and it's, a, it's a more basic style of play though than Sheffield United's. In fairness, Sheffield yes, no, with... no, it certainly is. I I, I go along with that. Um, but the way in uh, um, both Sheffield United and Burnley have consistent starting eleven, um, often don't make too many substitutions. Mm. When they do, they they tend to do it late. So integrating players into the team is kind of different, and, and there's a uh, um, is difficult. And there's a similarity with Hutton there, um, and I suppose Potter's almost the, the polar opposite on that front and I suppose that would be another thing that would get people kind of talking about Potter is um, he's too wacky at times in terms of his 
uh, um, selections, formations, personnel, shifting things around. Uh, um, Although in the first like, four this... games, he wasn't really this season, it was yeah. this. But the no, last no, two, he's been a lot more back to last season, like randomly changing no, things no, around. I, and... I completely agree. I mean, we haven't spoken about the fact that Ryan returned and Mope returned and, and Sanchez yeah. wasn't even in the 18 and um, da, da, da. Actually, one thing that um, sort of surprised me um, was that, um, and, and it was to be honest, it was a gripe. Uh, although I've, I've 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 tried to look on the uh, the uh, the bright side, um, that the, the the substitutions were made very late in the game against Burnley. Um, I, I know it took um, quite a while to get Jahan Bash on, but um, um, you know I I just felt that that um, Welbeck was 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 fading, and that there was a case to to bring on a sub and to give them at least twenty minutes. Um, and 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 obviously Jahan Bach, um wasted you know a couple of crosses, but you know he he was on the pitch for what he came on at the 82nd minute I think in the end, um, and um, it, that quite surprised me because actually last season um, Potter when you think back to that first match at Watford when we won three 0 was incredibly bold in his substitutions and he brought on attacking attacking players although we were already one nil up. Um, which After an hour, it's the polar opposite from what Chris Hutton would have done. Um, but it just rather surprised me that that it was almost Hutton-esque, actually, the the fact that he um, he he held out for so long before bringing anyone on, and I, that was the one thing that I was I was disappointed by. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, any other major? Well, the other thing to mention from the game was um, we've, we've we've alluded to the penalty claim. Uh, the first of the two handballs, you couldn't really give at all. Second one, you probably should have done. Um, in terms of other incidents in the game, we've mentioned Lamptey's chance in the first minute as well. And Welbeck had the two one-on-ones. Um, what else occurred? Well, we had Burnley hit the bar, didn't they, with what uh, looked like a, a cheeky attempt at goal, actually, rather than a misguided cross. I don't know what you thought about that. But we were, got away with one there, didn't we? Um, and and what, what do you guys make of that? And, and did you have any other moments you take from the game in terms of key areas of uh, win and lose? No. I'm taking that as a no then. I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> Everyone's gone black. <laughs> that was a bad a, a little bit like the question that Peter asked about the kind of sitters that we've missed. Um, there yeah. aren't too many that are rolling off the head, but I suppose that's that that you gave about expected goals. Um, would mm. be, I suppose, the stat that buttresses what I'm trying to say. Uh, and I know people will turn around and say the only thing that matters is the scoreline. Um, mm. And that is that is a difference between the, a Hutton team and a Deitch team and a Wilder team on the one hand and a Potter team. Is um, we used to be we used to be able to recount results, and we don't seem to be able to do that now. Yeah, that, that is that's a funny thing, isn't it? So, what's I agree both sides of that because I think you know it is quite an interesting expected goals is an interesting way of measuring things because you know you you can tell whether you're kind of feeling if you're constantly low on expected goals and you're you should concede more that you're riding your luck eventually and eventually it's going to go on the other hand if you if you have like the second season when we had Murray out front who's scoring like his one chance and then you know Ryan Duffy and Dunk at the back who were really solid 
you know, you can eke out the yeah, results like that if you're mm. Burnley or if you're Sheffield mm. United. Um, but it, I mean, it is encouraging for, you know, to, to have a higher, you know, expected goals and that sort of thing and to, to be that. But then you've got to turn it into results. And if you're not doing that, and if we continually have that, that higher version and we never actually do get the results that we deserve, then that's where something's got to, got to give at some point. But I, I mean, I'm still not saying I want Potter out and I don't think, I think the major, vast majority of Albion fans don't. But I think there are becoming, I think you said, you alluded to earlier, probably an increasing number of people who are questioning his position. Um, and yeah, I, and I, I can understand where they're coming from because we are, I, I genuinely don't think we've moved that far forward personally than we have a year ago or a year ago. And if we are, it's possibly because of Alana, who obviously we don't know about its fitness for a whole season. Yeah, he's certainly made a difference. Well, and there's certainly. Um, I mean, on that, let me come in because it, it isn't mm. just Lulana. Um, we've got Lamptey now, who we, we kind of all agree um, is probably not going to last with us very long. Basuma wasn't playing this time last year, and he's one of our best players. Um, Webster's better. Um, you know, it's it's those players that were kind of the mainstays in the Hewton team that have really fallen away a little bit. Not Dunk, although I still maintain he hasn't been great this season. Hmm. But, um, but Stevens, you know, Murray, but, all those well, sort of players. No, I'm thinking even more of Ryan, Ryan and Proper, really, who even hmm. a year ago were dead certs, you know, one of the hmm. first few names on the team sheet. Um, yeah, we got, we got Proper to come back. Um, he's been on Bernardo's the massively regressed since Potter came in. Yeah. Been on what, what's happened to him? But yeah. he was yeah. brilliant. I thought he was a really good player under Hewden when he played, although he didn't mm. play enough. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't well, know what's happened to him. He he also yeah, with Bong though back then, if if you remember, um, mm. which might not you, be the best. You're sign. talking about um, e- eking out results, and um, I thought actually it was interesting in the second half of of last season. We actually started to play in a, in a grittier manner, and I'm thinking about you know points Sheffield that we United, got. Yeah. Sheffield United, yeah, um, we got Wolves away. Leicester, I think didn't we at Wolves? You know those were crucial, although they were just one point. They were crucial points, um, and um, so you know it, it showed that, that 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 we could play in that pragmatic fashion. Um, um, but obviously, at the moment, you know, we're we are playing generally. We're we're, we're playing with style, but um, um, there just seems to be, to me, there seems to be a sort of soft centre in the team at the moment. Um, um, but then, actually, I was looking, I was looking at the table and the, um, you know, the goal difference. And our goal difference, I think, is minus three at the moment. Mm-hmm. But that's still a lot better than the teams below us. So. Um, you know, um, I, I don't think we should um, over-exaggerate. You know, the, def- the defensive yeah. problems. I think the, um, I think that's quite a good bellwether for promotion uh, for, for survival in in the division as well. The teams that have the better goal difference do tend to survive. Yeah. Um, from those sides bunched down at the bottom. So if if that remains as it is over the season, we haven't played that sure that Fulham and West Brom are going to you know concede hatfuls, aren't they? Um, oh, yeah. In the course yeah. of the season, so. Um, I think that's a, and it's on, but, but it's, it's a shame on, that we should have to be talking margins, about you know teams being worse than us because I just feel yeah I know, I know. You know as, as 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 we've been saying there's so much potential in the team and mm. and Andy's right you know I think Basuma you know is developing into a really good player now you could always from the outset you could see that he had that raw talent but he's he's seeming he it seems that he's learning to channel that now or has been coached to to channel that so 
you know, I think Potter is developing these players really well. Um, mm. And it's just that one missing ingredient. And that's what makes it so so frustrating at the moment. Um, the conversation shifts very quickly on, on a small patch of results as well, doesn't it? For example, um, Andy, you've mentioned Leeds not going to be troubling the relegation zone. But actually, they're next in line to us looking upwards. I know there's a four-point gap. But quickly things can change, can't they? Leeds have, have had a good season. There's no doubt about it. A couple of results have gone against them quite heavily and suddenly they're next in line. Should we go on a good run plus one other? Suddenly they they get into a position where they didn't really, I would imagine, wouldn't really expect to have been. So, yeah, I mean, that, they will have freak results. Again, they're, they're a little bit yeah. on that kind of unpredictability mm. because they've just got such a distinctive... and. Um, hmm. I, I suspect that Dave, it's it's not Dave's style of football. Um, I I really like it. I really really like it, and in, in a way that I really like the way that Liverpool play. Um, hmm. And I I know that um, there is a view that they're kind of just like a slightly better Burnley, but uh, I don't get that. I I, I really like the intensity, no, no. And the speed, no, and the pace, and physicality. I think I've been misquoted here because I, I I actually like the lead style. I think it's um it's it's it, it's great. Um, but it's um, yeah. Um, I I know one of our um uh our our colleagues on the uh, on the WhatsApp group has um has has rather um disparaged Liverpool style as being a an upgrade on 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 Burnley. But um but clearly, I mean, you know, you've got you've got far superior players at uh, at, at Liverpool. But but Leeds, I, you know, when I've when I've seen them on television this season, I think, wow, you know, that's that's really really entertaining stuff, and you know, slick slick passing as well, which is uh, yeah. is what you like to see. So it's um, it's not just um, heavy metal football. It's interesting though that they got destroyed by a Palace team that we didn't it barely got only got one shot on goal against us, and I wonder if they will find at some point. Yes, they might get the odd freak result, but in order to possibly kind of improve in Premier League they need to not be so open Mm -hmm. I mean it's obviously fantastic entertaining at times and they're going to have four threes and three alls and that sort of thing and they will stuff teams like on occasion if they struggle but also they will get hammered themselves and they do need to maybe kind of rein it in a bit when teams like Palace are beating them 4-1 I know know a common sense division isn't it yeah, and I know I know Bamford's goal gets allowed, which it should have been. Then obviously it's a different game, but Palace still score four against them when they had one shot against us, and we still had loads of shots. It wasn't like we sat back and stopped them having shots. So yeah, I I have to say though, one of your uh, your summer suggestions in um, in uh, Ease looked really good at the weekend. Uh, he, he may be a difference for Palace to get compared mm. to against us. He's, he's an important player. Yeah, Hawkins is looking quite good too, isn't he? Annoyingly, um, I mean, I agree with Robin when he said that it's over the odds. You don't want to be paying that sort of money for Hawkins. Um, uh, Watkins, sorry, Watkins. I mean, um, you definitely want to play as a Colin, uh, Colin Hawkins. <laughs> Colin Hawkins, <laughs> legend of the game. Yeah, no, sorry, yeah, Ollie Watkins and and <laughs> and Ezra as well. Yeah, they're, but I mean, they're great players. It's a matter of do you settle on that price? Ben Rama as well. Uh, he'll come good over time. They're all players I would have liked to have seen us get, one or other of them anyway. Um, but what we have got, we'll see if we can get the best out of them, I guess, is is the thing. And, um, well, we do, the one, the said, other, it's merciless. The other thing in January is we do have the possibility of others 
coming in. So the Polish guy, Moder, okay. we've got a recall in um, in January. Percy yeah. Tal, there's even rumours that we might get his work permit sorted out. Yeah. Uh, Andoni might Andoni. be fit. Izquierdo might be fit. You know, so there is, hmm. you know, there are extre- you know, at least options. The one I, I wish we had possibly got a recall for, but apparently we, I've heard we haven't, is the the fullback from Legia Warsaw, uh, Karbovnik, because we don't we we do lack backup options. If he's not going to go with Bernardo, and March gets injured, we do lack options at left wing back mm. if we're going to play that mm. sort of game. And I mean, he may not oh, be good really? enough, but at least it'd be good to have the option if he was doing well to have the option mm. to recall him. As, uh, as, as, as we most, most of us agree, agreed, would would rather that Alzati would have played as left wing back. Yeah. Uh, hmm. In that game, I, the, the rumor, the suggestion I've heard is we haven't got a recall, but I may be wrong. But that's why I, I heard. No, I think, I think with, you're right on that, Peter. With the, with the Burnley game, one one final point on that. Lamptey, uh, there was a bit where he did the one-two, broke past somebody, got pulled back a little bit, carried on going. There was another challenge went in, it went off for I think for a corner. Um, there's a question mark about the whether he. Area. It was in the penalty area. Should it have been a penalty? Well, unfortunately, you've got to go down in order to for mm. for a referee and a VAR ref to work these things out. The refs and the, the, the authorities are insisting that we behave in a less than honourable way as players. I say we, we're not players, but you know what I mean. Uh, the players have to behave dishonourably in order to gain the advantage. It's becoming more and more apparent, isn't it? The stage. Now look what well, I mean, the, did the, for the, penalty. the classic he, he one won. is. Um, I always look back to is that Montoya one at Palace last year when the, the, the guy clearly tripped yeah. him and he did his absolute best mm. to t- you know, stay on his feet, get a shot away. He got a shot away. It was saved. It should have then been a penalty because he got mm. tripped in the yeah. area. But so why um, would players stay on their feet if they're not going to get the foul they deserve for staying on their feet? For me, Mohamed Salah did what he's done a number of times at the weekend, which is he he was kicked and technically it's a foul and it can be a penalty. But the play's moved on and then he's dived. So he's then been accused of diving. Everyone hates him. But ultimately, he did get fouled, but he played the game. He played the game and he won the penalty. Mm. Yes, it could be a big six thing as well. But the fact is, depressingly, it seems you have to do that. Yeah, Especially if you're not a big six gun. What, Sorry, what, David, I, what, I, what I don't like about that is, you know, the um, the scream in mortal agony as they go down. You yeah. Know, um, <laughs> um, you know, and I just, uh, yeah, uh, I just think it cuts through the air with a chill. A doesn't it? You're, you're you're right in a way, I mean, it, and it, and by the way, it's not it's not a new thing. I mean, I can I can remember Peter Ward going down pretty easily in the box at times in the uh, in the glory days. Um, so you know. It, it's it's difficult to 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 take a sort of moral high ground on these things but um mm. yeah i mean you're, you're right it, it it is a shame and and that yeah i remember that that incident at palace um that you were talking about peter with with montoya and um um yeah and and he was basically he was penalized for being honest although it was for me it was a clear penalty yeah, and well, VAR supposed nice, to, you can understand why referee would miss that having him carried on, but VAR doesn't have any excuse for that. They should be looking at that and going, he clearly tripped him. He, you know, he might have, he might not have scored anyway, but he clearly put him off the, his, you know, his stride. Yeah. It's a penalty. I think he tried to get a shot of the, off yeah. he, when he was, when he was falling, um, as I remember. That's yeah, right. oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was a good, yeah. a decent save in the end, but it still should have been yeah. pulled back, shouldn't it? It's like, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. The fact he may have forced a decent save without having had full advantage. Shows you what he might have done if he hadn't been fouled. Yeah. 
But, I mean, two other things. I do think we're too nice and we've got to stop being too nice by the looks of it. We've got to play the game, which is depressing but true. And, um, you know, I guess we've got to do what we've got to do. The second thing is we're going to have a break for the... Uh, for a short while and come back with our third part in a second. Andy, do you have to leave us at this point? So I know there's dinner pending, isn't there? Right, okay. Well, we'll say goodbye to Andy. We're going to break briefly. We'll be, we'll be back to discuss the rest of the football news in just a moment. But from Andy, it's so long. And for the rest of so us, long. we'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> Cheers, Andy. Cheers. Okay, welcome to part three of the latest episode, where we're going to now chat football news. Andy Kay has left us, so it's me, Peter, and David Townsend is still with us. How are you doing, guys? Still hanging in there? Surviving. Still still good. <laughs> Getting hungry. Yeah. Good, good. Well, Peter's <laughs> been fending off his cat, so that's good. And David's fending off pangs of hunger. That's, that's always a good sign. Um, we won't be too long as we just go through the football news. One bit of major news has broken just today as we record this Tuesday. Um, the FA's chief, Greg Clark, has got himself into a bit of a pickle, hasn't he? Um, essentially, the DCMS um, Department for, Key, for Culture, Media and Sport have been having a hearing today. And um, during a, a conversation on there, he's referred to uh, black players as coloured footballers, which is a rather unfortunate term. He subsequently, he apologised at the time on prompting from the, the interviewer. He subsequently apologised, but this evening he has now resigned, same day. Um, the BBC report says Football Association Chairman Greg Clark has resigned over the unacceptable language he used when referring to black players. Clark said he was, to quote, deeply saddened for the offence he had caused by using the term coloured footballers. The comments came as he was talking about the racist abuse of players by trolls on social media to the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport Select Committee via video link. And he's quoted as saying that his words were a disservice to the game, to our game. Um, what an idiot. I mean, he's the poor man's Greg, um, Greg Davis when it comes to looks, isn't he, really? <laughs> he's a sort of a giant of a guy, big faced sort of bloke. But much old school as well, unfortunately. Um, I don't know how old he is, but he, he seems to be old for his years, doesn't he? I mean, it's just generally regarded as not an acceptable term. The supreme um, irony of him talking about that when talking about racism in football is... Exactly. I mean, just I mean, calamitous, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Of all the times to... I mean, you should never say something like that anyway, but to say it on in a situation like that is just... I mean, you've got to. I mean, he had no choice but to go, didn't he? Really? I mean, there's no way he, his position became ma- absolutely untenable. And apparently, he only mm. apologised when prompted. So it wasn't like straight away he said, "Oh no, I didn't yeah. realise what I, I didn't mean that." He, he actually had yeah. to be prompted, didn't he, to apologise? I mean, he defended himself by saying that um, he'd been in America, amongst other places, uh, on his travels in work and um, in remits, and they they use the expression "people of colour" as a general term, which is true in America. But the fact of the matter is, if you're well-travelled, you have to be savvy in the wider scope. You have to understand that, rightly or wrongly, you've got to be on top of, especially when you're in a public um, a public um, platform, you have to be right on your game. You're the head of the FA. You've got to be snappy. You've got to be sharp. You've got to have your wits about you. You've got to nail it every time. That's the job. If you can't do that, 
as you said, the position's untenable. Um, ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, of all the things we need right now, we do not need another controversy like this, do we? Uh, terrible. David, any any take on that one? No, I, I would agree with everything you've you've, you've both said, and um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It, it, it is supremely ironic, as you say, that you know that he was um, he was talking about racism, and I th- and I think you know, um, to be fair to him. Um, you know, I, I guess that he was talking sincerely there, but as you say, yeah, you know, someone sure someone in 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 his position um, would be a lot more aware of the uh, of the current climate, um, and you know, it's just it's just indefensible in in my view. Mm. I mean, the problem also is that there's a history. All you can to say it is well. he has resigned quickly. To be fair, I suppose that's what you can. Yeah, that's all you can. That's all you can say. A bit, yeah. a bit unlike yeah. Dominic Cummings, for example. But anyway, um, so, but in terms of um, his history as well, apparently he's been on record as saying, uh, referring to gay people as uh, as life choices. Uh, he's also said that women don't like footballs being kicked at them hard. So it's not as how if he's he, how are he the chairman of the FA in the first place then? <laughs> yeah. It yeah. doesn't well, you know it doesn't um, sit well, does it? Yeah. When 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 you think of um, you know, he he's got a lot of um uh precedents there, I guess, Sat Blatter and um, you know, uh others um mm. too numerous to mention, but um yeah, no, it um it it, it just seems incredible. Um that someone in his, his his position isn't isn't more aware of what um, the impact of, of of what he says, to be honest. Mm. Uh, and presumably, and the of... FA, you know, in that position, you would you you would you would have you would have media training as well. Um, so yeah, it, um, it's uh, it, it just uh, it just seems indefensible to me. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, in this day and age, coloured is one of those expressions that. It's generational. There's an older school generation who use that expression. My dad used that expression. Other people I know have. Um, but first of all, they're not in positions of um, really significant authority in, in the public sphere to start with. But secondly, if you are going to be in that position, you do need to be adapting to a modern, more modern parlance far more. It wasn't an offensive term historically as much as maybe it now might be perceived to be i think it was i don't think it was intended as being offensive put it that way in the way that other words have been but either way around it's it's a it's a far too outdated term to be using and as you said it's indefensible um well greg greg clark was saying that he's well traveled and he's been around david of course you have been as well you've worked abroad you've worked in prague you've been in germany haven't you all sorts of other places um so you you speak languages, don't you? Which is very impressive. What what do you speak? Uh, uh, well, I have uh, German. I suppose is my is is, is my number one language. Um, French is is not so good, and a smattering of Italian and and, and Czech. Not bad. <laughs> I've forgotten I've forgotten all the Czech now. Uh, Czech Czech is completely gone now. Um, but yeah, yeah, difficult language to learn. Yeah, but I bet you are a stickler for pronunciation, aren't you, when it comes to player names, I'm guessing? Are you a man after my own yeah. heart, in other words, in this regard? Well, I try to be. I try to be. I'm not sure I, I would always get it right. Um, the one the one that's interested me, actually, in current uh, Premier League players is um, the uh, the American who plays for Chelsea. Um, 
and I never know whether it should be Pulisic or Pulisic. <laughs> Pulisic sounds yeah, better, it, to be honest, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I would Pulisic thought... would be the original, wouldn't it? But Pulisic apparently is the American... The Americanized it, version. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. So I guess we yeah. can go with that. Yeah. yeah. But um, the ones that people often get wrong is um, Firmino. They, they have to Firmino the Firmino which uh, drives me mad. And then when it, there is one that needs it, Fabinho, I've, got, I've heard people saying Fabinho. I think, oh dear, really isn't that complicated. <laughs> Other ones include, um, the one that everyone gets wrong, it's Kevin De Bruyne, according to Kevin De Bruyne, it is anyway. What would um, he know though? Exactly, how would he know? <laughs> He's been um, pronouncing his own name all, wrong all his life. You know? <laughs> and uh, just for reference, boys, it's Neil Morpé, it's Pascal Grosch. I think that's right, isn't it, David? No, no, uh, it's Gross. No? Yeah. It's Gross. Gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Pascal Gross. What about the captain? Mm-hmm. How okay. do you pronounce him? <laughs> Luis <laughs> Dunk. <laughs> uh, we've got David Prupper. And, um, and also, the one I heard this week, I was listening to a podcast where Marco van Basten was being interviewed. And he referred to the famous team from Amsterdam as Ajax. What is that right? I, I thought I always thought it was Ajax, but is it really Ajax? It He's may have Dutch, been anglicised, whatever, isn't it? Possibly. I know, That's like, what I'm so. wondering. Yeah, because yeah. uh, um, we have Michel Kuipers. The way he should say it in English, but um, yeah. Because yeah. because we had Kuipers on an episode quite a while ago, and he's a he's an Ajax fan, as we Ajax as we call it. I'm pretty sure he called them Ajax, didn't he? Hmm. I don't remember to be honest. Well, sounds, I'll have to look back into likely. that one. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. interesting. But, uh, well, well, while we're on Dutch football, can I bring something up that I meant meant to mention? You may have had it on the list, but please do. A, Go ahead. A yeah. certain former Albion player who we bought from Holland, scoring a uh, hat trick for Ludogorets, and then playing last week against Tottenham. Was that on your list, or have you done that already? Or no, no. Go ahead. Please, uh, yeah, Elvis it. Manu, who uh, didn't look like he could score ever for Albion. Although I think he did get a couple mm. of goals in the League Cup. But uh, yeah, getting three goals for Ludogorets against LASK from, uh, although he still it was on the losing side. And he played against so Tottenham last week as well. The linesman didn't spot he was offside then, obviously. <laughs> I was, was going to say, so, uh, obviously worked out the, uh, the offside rule now. The player we hadn't, hadn't commented <laughs> on it for a long time, Elvis Manu. Long last. I, I noticed yeah. Anders Dreyer, one of the guys we had in our 23s, is playing for Mitchell and, um, and doing well. I think he scored in the week last week, if I'm not mistaken, um, against, I can't remember who it was, it was one of the major teams, I think. So, um, yeah, the long lost sons of Albion are doing quite well in some places. Um, there's um, there's a, a guy in Russia as well, um, Matthias Norman, or something like that's doing, I don't, I'm not sure he's in the Champions League this year, but he's been doing pretty well as well. And there's talk of a, I'm not sure where he yeah. is now, but he was he's been quite well good. rated, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And on well, the, one, on one the of domestic... being a... Sorry, go on. Sorry, Russell. Um, I was going to say on the domestic front, I've been following the fortunes of our our players or our our, uh, our, our loanees, and um, yeah, it seems a bit sad to me that that um, I know uh, I don't know whether he's injured, but Glenn Murray wasn't in the um, mm. in the Watford squad, I think, for their last match, and. And at best seems to be on 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 the bench for them. Um, but um, but on 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 the positive note, um, Chris Houghton seems to be putting together, you know, piecing together some some results at Forest now. Um, 
and um, mm. you know, let's hope it revives um, Lockhart's um, mm. career because he he didn't seem to do particularly well for Fulham. Um, yeah. yeah, if any if anyone can get the best out of Lockhart and get Nottingham Forest out of the Championship and potentially into the playoffs or more, it'll be Hutton. I mean, his record in that yeah. division is unquestionable, really. I mean, he's I think, I think his last four seasons at division full full seasons, not like the half a year he had last. Well, he's finished like first, second, third, and fourth or something, which is yeah. a phenomenal mm. record. So he's due fifth place this season, which I'm sure Forage would take, seeing as they were like second bottom once when he uh, he went yeah. there. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely. And also Gaetan Bong's there, isn't he? So maybe he could have a reward. He'd, he'd been too. barely played since moving there in January. I think he'd been pretty much on the verge of leaving. And then oh, Hutton really? came in. Obviously, mm. it's ideal for him because, yeah, Hutton was one of Hutton's favourites, wasn't he? Mm. Mm. Yeah. But while, while we've been nitpicky, though, going back to that, one thing that's been really bothering me in the last year or so, maybe disproportionately so, the captions, you know, when you on on football coverage, when you get the top left corner, you've got the names of the teams in abbreviated form. They're doing something really irritating with the abbreviations now that make it much harder to read. They're doing really odd stuff. I can't think of any particular examples, but none of it reads obviously, and that's really bugging me. Can you stop doing that, media guys? <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> they're listening. Have you noticed this? <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> have, say. Have I you have. noticed this? Oh, now I've mentioned it. You'll probably have a look and think nothing more of it no you you might get annoyed by it <laughs> it really is quite irritating um it used to be quite easy to just to look at the obvious and now they've just um they, they use initials that just don't make sense at all you'll see what i mean if you if you have a look anyway going back to um the kevin subject we need to talk about kevin's um we've mentioned de Bruyne earlier on we've got to mention honorable mention for his penalty miss of the weekend of all people can you believe it I had him in for that fan slide game, by the way, Peter. We had the fan slide guy on. Um, I put him in. I rushed him in because there was a penalty claim. It hadn't gone to a definite penalty. So I rushed him in just in time. Then the game got frozen because the penalty had been awarded. So I thought, sorted. I've really sorted myself out here. Triple points, which will be 60 points. And he missed it, which is, is triple minus points. Um, minus 45 I got for that. Um who would have thought that, that, he That's up there with my missed. choice to drop Bruno Fernandes from my fantasy football team for the weekend. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I've still got only two goals and one assist. You know, not much this weekend. He didn't do much. <laughs> so, yeah, it's tragic, isn't it's, it? He's to be an fair, good player, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair to Kevin De Bruyne, though, it wasn't the worst penalty miss of the, season, of the weekend in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes, we're talking Lookman, aren't we? Yes. Yes, that, that, was that was, I mean, truly... I think Scott, uh, Scott Parker's quote pretty much summed it up. If you're going to try and do that penalty, you have to score. You know, you don't mind missing yeah. sometimes, you're going to blast it, whatever. But if you're going to try that penalty, you have to score. You can't exactly. miss it. And even Vardy missed one as well, didn't he? A really uncharacteristic yeah. weekend. I know he did score one as well, but uh, nonetheless. The reason I say Kevin's in the plural, by the way, it's not just Kevin De Bruyne. There's two other items on the Kevin front I wanted to quickly raise. Kevin Keegan. One, this is actually... Kevin Kitt, no, I would love it if it was about him, but it's not. Um, and um, I say that as I look at Peter with his headphones on, looking very Kevin Keegan-esque. Um, no, it's about, um, it's actually an older story from a few weeks ago, but I've been meaning to mention. Do you know about Forest Green Rovers? Um, and they're, um, they're, well, they did a poll, a fans poll, to try and name the new stadium. And do you know what they voted for, the fans? They voted for the new stadium to be called Kevin. They didn't go for Stadium McStadium face then. (laughs) 
they were over they were overruled would you believe it and not completely out of the spirit of the poll by um dale vance the owner um basically um they've, they've gone with the new lawn stadium i think it is in the end mm. which is very boring um but it's going to be i think it's going to be um a sponsorship from innocence as well so they wanted it to go in with there i think i think if you go with innocent kevin that doesn't sound very good does it probably <laughs> <laughs> might get the wrong impression <laughs> here oh, we are down at innocent so. kevin stadium today <laughs> <laughs> the other matter on the kevin front is I've been in a couple of exchanges this week with Kevin Day, the comedian and Palace fan who co-produced, sorry, co-presents the um, Price of Football podcast with our very own Kieran Maguire, Albion fan. Um, Kevin, I've been trying to get on the show and he's he's made a few vague comments that he might come on, but nowhere near the time of a derby match. Um, So he sort of made some vague, vague, vague um, pledge to come on, perhaps. Anyway, he's got a book out called, um, I think it's called Who Are Ya? Um, which is about why not to support each of the 92 clubs. And there's a chapter on each. The Albion one is, is, is as you'd imagine, suitably uncomplimentary. Um, I've read that one already. What happened was he, he apparently drunkenly got into a bet with a mate of his to say he could try and get 92 football fans to drape the scarves of their clubs around a copy of his book. So I said, well, I'll do it if you come on our podcast. And he went, done. So, so I've made the deal with him. I've taken the photo, I've got the book orders and, and delivered, taken the photograph. I did put a couple of alternative options up there, one including a, a Palace Lego Jester uh, image uh, within the frame. He didn't seem keen on that one, I don't think. Um, but he's gone for a, a standard shot in the end. So we're hoping he's going to be coming on. If he's good for his word, hopefully we will see Mr Day come on and engage in banter. He is a comedian, he'll be sharp-witted, so we're going to have to be very careful how we play it. But uh, It'd be good to get him on at some point. He's, he seems a good guy, to be fair, and it would be quite good to get his view from the wrong side of the Can track. Can I just flag, I'm point. not in any way sharp-witted, so I'm going to struggle. <laughs> Damn, I was relying on you, Peter. <laughs> David, are you any good on that score? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Up against a professional, I'm not sure about that. Um, Might do a few drinks beforehand. <laughs> yeah, it could, could do, yeah, it could descend into anarchy, I feel. <laughs> well, no change well there on do. this show pretty much the same as every every episode <laughs> rather too quickly perhaps um one thing actually about palace as well there's a lot of fuss made um they're not very happy a lot of their fans because of the way the club has handled the uh, the issues with lockdown and refunds and season ticket arrangements essentially what they've done there is they've insisted on still going ahead with them but you can make um sort of monthly payments but then you have to be subject to a credit check and some people who were quite happily paying as they were going and no problem at all have now been subject to a credit check which they've not passed uh, and they've not been able to carry on paying their subscriptions for the season tickets so it sounds like they've scored a bit of an own goal in that regard which is um not gone down very well at all i have to say and um seems a bit of an unfortunate one um i mean i think we've done pretty well haven't we the album with the way we've taken things on um, are in the, the brief maybe... pay-per-view issues yes i think generally exactly right. i was going to say that's mm. the that was yeah. the one thing it was the other way around on the subject of pay-per-view of course it's been announced that uh it's been dispensed with for now hasn't it um i think the point's been made fans have voted with their feet and it seems as if 
um, sensible sensibility has been well, struck. Let, let's not get carried away. They've not announced the alternative yet. They've not confirmed it yet. So it could yeah. be they're going to like kind of, you know, kind of do a kind of um, thing, like kind of put it onto the moon and kind of, you know, kind of mm. have an image like planted on the moon so you can watch the game from your home <laughs> as you see the moon. And it depends on yeah, the, I mean, the shape of the moon that night will depend on how much of the game you can see. So let's not get carried away. Yeah. The Premier League could still make the completely wrong decision. They could do. Well, this DCMS thing that caused the fuss today with Greg Clark's um, faux pas also had Richard Masters talking because it was it was a big thing in yeah, talk about football. Uh, Richard Masters, of course, the Premier League CEO, um, he was quoted as saying, "We're going in a different direction." To quote, following the experiment with PPV, which exactly. of course was so that, could, that could mean anything. Early November. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who knows what? Yeah. Um, David, what's your overall view on pay per view and, and also project? Big picture. Any anything to to mention on there, particularly from your end? Um, well, certainly on pay per view, you know, I, I I just felt the the um, the the amount was was ridiculous, really. Um, you know, particularly in these sort of straightened times, um, and um, it was certainly wasn't something that I I would be prepared to um, to to pay. Um, so. Um, yeah, good. Good that it's um, being done away with. But as as Peter says, it depends what um, what comes into um, to to replace it. Um, um, sorry, you. There was another question there, uh, which um, oh, just about the uh, big mentioned. picture as well. We haven't got your view on that. Um, any particular takes on that as a as a wider issue? In in terms of the return of the the fans, you mean, or? No, in terms of uh, the proposals for changes to to football that uh, Liverpool, Man U, and oh, sorry, uh, sorry, yeah, proposed, yeah, mm. um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know, I think it's a slippery slope, to be honest. And um, you know, I I'd be very sad, um, you know, if um, you know, the, the, because enough enough power and money is is concentrated in in very few clubs, you know, and you know, if you think back to um, to the early 80s, you know, for example, with with uh, Villa or, or Forest winning the, the championship, and you think, well, that's with the exception of Leicester in recent years, that's that's pretty much unthinkable now. Um, and um, I, I I just feel it's moving in, in completely the wrong direction. And, and I mean, for me, you know, it, it, the, the the game will have, is is losing its soul in that in that respect. Hmm. I mean, the situation's obviously on on the move all the time, and the, the current vibes are that still something's going to come of this. It's obviously the early, the early stake in a long-running negotiation process that will now go on to, to for the for the big six to see if they can negotiate a position of strength. Um, clearly, there were some yeah. things that were highly objectionable. There were some good ideas in there as well. Um, certainly, in terms of funding proposals, um, possibly changes to the league cup. Um, safe standing, limits on prices for tickets, lots of things in there that were good and certainly helping out lower league clubs would, would be as well. But I think there's a lot of manoeuvring to be done before we get to a, a final a final draft, so to speak, of a proposal. Um, but one thing related um, to voting matters, the five sub rule, that's reared its head again this week. We were in favour reputedly. Most of the big six, I think all of the big six were but they were outvoted. They needed 14 out of 20. They didn't get it. Um, mm. There's been the calls for a review of this, having tried out some of the season with the three subs situation. We voted for three subs, um, France, Spain, Germany, Italy, and many other leagues as well. 
all opted for five because of the COVID situations, the compressed schedule, etc. Obviously, the, the five sub thing here, it's been largely a discussion around advantages for the big clubs with the big squads. Um, but both Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp have raised the issue again this week. Also, David Moyes was in support of it before the weekend games when a load of people fell down injured. Um, the PFA initially gave their support to it prior to the vote at the close of the season, and they're largely on health, safety, welfare grounds, and they've stated that their position on the matter remains the same. Um, what's your view on it? Do you think, given the certain circumstances we're in, the particular circumstances we're in at the moment, do you think there is cause for a review of that vote? I'm not convinced that in a way that it will make that much difference in the, in the sense of where it, I think the big clubs still do want it because of the, their bigger squads. I don't, I'm not convinced it's going to make that much difference in terms of injuries, to be honest. Um, hmm. Where I do think Albion actually benefit from it is because I actually think while our first team is not, I think I said last season, where our first team is not amazing, our, our reserves are actually probably quite strong compared to a lot of the, the bottom half you know we are, we've got a lot of players who are probably not that dissimilar ability and so actually mm. making five subs is actually quite a good thing for us and yeah actually can be used quite well in part the reason I think we did quite well in the last season because we do have options off the bench that maybe aren't that much different to and it's certainly at one point last season I'd say that when we had a number of players who'd start and not look that good and then come off the bench and look a lot better and then start again because mm. they started did well and then not do so well. So I think the five subs does benefit Albion, but I'm not convinced how much difference it will make in terms of injuries. I'm not that you know it, it's. I'm not convinced that the obviously there has been more injuries because of the compressed season because of the issues around other stuff. But I'm not convinced that doing this will help with that particularly. I think it's just a yeah. factor of it is one of those things. But I yeah. can see why Albion are in favour of it generally because I think mm. we do have a squad that would suit suit it. And we know that Graham Potter do, does like to utilise it. He did in the Project mm. Restart phase. And looking at some stats that have gone up on Sky Sports News today uh, in relation to this matter, um, we are joint top for the utilisation of subs this season. Um, an average of 2.8 um, subs made per game shared with Chelsea and West Ham. We are the most substituted team it's interesting, division. isn't it? Because my, mm. my kind of thought would be that most teams use three subs, whether it's to try and change the game because they're behind or at the end because they're ahead and they want to hold on or something like that, or drawing because they want to hold on. I would have said most mm. teams use most. But to have like 2.8 with this hop after mm. eight games is interesting, isn't it? So, yeah. Also it's interesting, interesting. Can... Liverpool aren't in the top 10, interestingly. Mm. Yeah. No, I do find that interesting, actually, because I my, my impression, which is probably erroneous, is that... Um, that, that we've actually been a bit more conservative or Potter's been more conservative in his in his use of subs this season. But um, perhaps that's not borne out by the um, the, the, the facts. Um, Maybe it's but, just they're um, later rather yeah, than I agree. they're not happening. Maybe or hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with Peter, you know, that um, actually, you know, in, in, in terms of naked self-interest, I don't, I don't have a great problem hmm. with it because I think actually, and given, you know, Potter's sort of penchant for for changing formations during matches and um, trying new things. Um, actually, it could benefit us, and I agree. And I think you know when you look at the bench now compared to maybe a couple of years ago, it's it's far stronger, and, and particularly in terms of attacking options. Although you know obviously that hasn't borne borne fruit yet necessarily, but but it does seem that we have more 
more more options to yeah. um to to put on than we did previously so yeah i don't i don't have a great problem with it actually certainly against west brom for example i think it would have benefited us have been able to have that extra sub went to yeah. maybe pay or maybe um, off and well back on or something like that yeah. and when we had to i think yeah. we had to put alzati on to try and get someone in midfield right, because that, that but, affected who we who we picked yeah yeah i'm actually looking at the table We've got Chelsea joined top with this, but interestingly, I mentioned Liverpool, but actually Liverpool, Tottenham, Leicester, Everton and Arsenal, none of them are on the list of the top half, which mm. is interesting, isn't it, in relation to the big the big um, six. Also Leeds, who you would have thought, because they blow players out by making them work really hard, you would have thought they might have used their subs, but they're in the bottom half of the table too. So interesting stuff. Um, yeah, what, I mean, I'm, interest, I'm not sure what's it's the bottom? Issue. What what is who is bottom and what is how many average subs have they made? Um, well, I took a screen grab of the top ten from Sky, so I'm not sure actually. But, what's what um, tenth then? What's uh, tenth was? Uh, let me go back to it one second. It was Burnley. Yeah, I mean it's Chelsea, Brighton, and West Ham with two point eight. It's Fulham, Crystal Palace, and Sheffield United with two point six. Southampton two point five. Next one's Man City on two point zero, and then it's Villa. And Burnley on 1.7. I suspect there's others in the bottom That's half of the table. Isn't it? Might so be on the same. What you're saying is yeah. most of the Premier League don't don't use a sub on average every game. Mm. That's yeah. quite surprising, isn't it? Especially as clubs are actively pushing for for five subs. Some of them. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting that the stats don't bear that out, really. Yeah, uh, this is assuming Sky's figures are correct, but I'm, I'm sure they are. They normally get that stuff right. It's funny because I, um, I genuinely would have thought that most teams would use three subs, even if, even if it is late on to defend a lead or something hmm. like that, or to waste time, that most teams would use all three subs for most games. But clearly that's not yeah. the case. Seems a bit odd, yeah. Well, my final words are going to be just a couple of things. One, I've noticed a few players shushing the non-existent crowd after celebrating goals recently. The latest of those being one of the late Noria players. Um, a good look. I'm not thinking it is. <laughs> bit, bit sad, really, isn't it? Tragic. You, get, you should I don't get know. booked for riling up a crowd. <laughs> yeah. Riling up the empty seats. Yeah, that's a very weird one. Yeah, and yeah. I wanted to finish yeah. on on Spain, if I may. Uh, two or three things to do with Spain. First of all, Spain's two big clubs thrashed, both of them. Valencia four, Real Madrid one. And Real Betis, which, if anything, is my Spanish team in a very vague sort of way, um, they thrashed Barca 5-2. Got to love it, haven't you? I, I love seeing the big boys go down when you're Especially not Especially seeing as Valencia have had an awful summer and they lost half their team and they've just lost one of their midfielders to Atletico Madrid, who weirdly had an extra month because Thomas mm. Partey left on the last day or something like that or because they hit yeah. his minimum fee. So they just lost Condogbia, I think his name is, um, to yeah. Atletico last week. I mean, they seem mm. to be in all sorts of chaos, and yet, yet they, you know, weren't having a great start to the season, and somehow managed to stuff Real four-one. And Barca just seem a bit of a basket ends. case at the moment. I don't know what's going do, on there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, all the messy I, I mean, stuff over the, the summer, and yeah, they're apparently three hundred million euros in debt, and yeah. they operate in a debt culture, as do Real Madrid. And one of the many reasons I don't like either of the clubs, to be honest. But um, top but of I have the league, they're getting in particular. You problems. see, who's top? Yeah. So Real Sociedad, inspired by David Silva, are top of the league. Exactly. Which is, if anything, my other other Spanish club I like, Real Sociedad. So I'm very happy with that. I don't think they'll stay there. But Atletico Madrid must have a good chance of the title. One team that's not doing too well uh, is Celta Vigo, who you may have seen this week, have sacked their head coach. Anybody 
tell me who that was. Uh, Oscar Garcia. Oscar. It was indeed. Yeah. Um, just one win in his first nine games. He'll be, he'll be having sangria to commiserate. <laughs> it's unseasonable, isn't it, this time of year? I don't know. But yeah, a bit of a shame to see. He's he's come and gone in various places, hasn't he? And I don't think he's done particularly badly overall um, in the in the periods he's been at clubs. I don't think he did too much wrong at Watford, but he wasn't there well, for he was very Ill, long wasn't, at all. He was ill for Watford, wasn't he? I he think was he Ill. had to resign because yeah. he was... Because he was ill, I think was the. Yeah. But yes, he's been around yeah. a lot. I mean, he's travelled quite, you know, different countries. I think it was Israel before us or after us or something. I think he was after, in Israel, yeah. and then after, uh, yeah, think, Spain yeah. and yeah, yeah, one or two others. Yeah. So we wish him well. Hope he's keeping well at yeah. least. I, I and, actually um... thought he did a really good job for us. He has been one of the more underrated managers, considering the injuries mm. we had that season. To keep to keep us up to six was, yeah. I thought, and, and the chaos at yeah, the end of the he... previous season as well. Yeah, getting in there was was something else, and and we we died off, died on our feet with injuries, the same yeah. as we did in the Sheffield Wednesday. And, um, and he uh, gave us one of the best England. moments of an out, watching Albion at Forest. Yeah, mm. yeah, no, wonderful got, moments. I've got yeah. a great deal of affection for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't the most yeah. exciting Albion side you you would ever see, but but you know, given the resources that he was working with, you know, I think he did exceptionally well. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, on that note, we'll, we'll probably leave it there. So, first of all, can I just mention that if you want to get in touch with the show, contact us at Twitter at BrightonRockPod. You can email us, BrightonRockPodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you can, please do rate us, review us, give us five stars, all of that stuff. Subscribe as well, um, particularly if you're going with Apple. I think that, that makes a big difference to the algorithms. Um, the more we can get on, the better. It will really help us with our... Um, with our ratings and it will get us up the charts and it will well just generally help us so please do rate and review us if you can guys um in terms of um the next show we've got we're hoping to get on an author of a book to do with black footballers at each of the 92 clubs so that's something we're looking forward to to doing in the next week or so we've also got the possibility of doing our shithouse 11s peter haven't we um the latest in our Eleven selections. So we're, you we'll can tell it's lockdown again. So we're looking at like doing this sort of show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the happy moments. <laughs> and I wonder if a certain French mention... striker will appear in in our uh, our, our. I think our, he might do. Our teams. Do you think he might? I think he might. <laughs> um, in the meantime, thank you again to David for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on for your debut. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, it's been great fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's. Uh, uh, I hope it's not uh, my last appearance. No, we'd love to have you back on. You've been excellent. Uh, Peter, you've been OK. I'm not so good. I'm not so sure, but uh, we'll probably get you back on as well. I was a 50-50 and I had a fitness test before the game. So, you know, I'm a, yeah, I yeah, wasn't. You're, uh, you're definitely in the pod squad. Uh, I think I think it's safe to say. Yeah. And. Um, we also should honourably mention Seagulls Over London, our sponsors. Thank you again to them. Um, if you want to find out more about Seagulls Over London, of which all three of us are members, aren't we? And long-standing ones at that. Um, it's www.seagullsoverlondon.com. We'll be back with our next show coming up in a few days' time. In the meantime, Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. And cheers to everyone. See you soon. Cheers, David, <laughs> as well. Thank you. Thanks, Russell.
Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.